The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Help! I need somebody. Help! Not just anybody. Help! You know I need someone. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Welcome to Episode 128 of Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. Um, Since retiring from medical practice, I've become an activist for family caregiving. And our topic today is hospitals communicating with family caregivers. Now, the background is that financial pressures on hospitals are leading to shorter stays of patients in hospitals. Some of the patients discharged home after shorter stays in hospitals require a level of care that is more complicated than in the past. This new level of care is delivered by community-based services with which hospitals generally have well-established communication channels. But this new level of care also involves family caregivers, which raises the question of hospitals communicating with family caregivers. So to talk about hospitals communicating with family caregivers, my guest is Mary Jane McNally. Now, first of all, Mary Jane is the... Senior Director of Nursing at Toronto Western Hospital and University Health Network. That's where she provides leadership for advancing academic nursing practice, education and research. She's held progressive operational and professional practice leadership positions within acute care and primary care. She's leading innovative programs that interfere with it's sorry, interface with long-term care and convalescent care. She's received her BSCN, that's Bachelor of Science in Nursing, and MN, that's Master's Degree in Nursing, degrees from the Faculty of Nursing, University of Toronto, where she currently serves as a clinical appointee. She's received the Ontario Hospital Association Ted Freeman Award for Education, Innovation and a 3M Healthcare Quality Team Award. She's known as a national and international speaker on workplace violence in the health sector and for innovation in care delivery models. Her other areas of interest include interprofessional collaboration, hospital community partnership, and practice informatics. Welcome to the show, Mary Jane. Thank you so much, Gordon. This is very exciting, and I must congratulate you on uh, this concept of of this work, Family Caregivers Unite. It sounds fabulous, and I really congratulate you on uh, putting this together. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to uh, being here with you and your audience. 
Thank you very much. We're a great team. Now, first question for you, please, Mary Jane, is this. Please tell us a bit more about your background, your career, and your current work in nursing. And Do you have personal experience of family caregiving? Thanks, Gordon. Um, I, I will say that um, I, I, I just absolutely love my work here at the hospital, and I know that that might be a rare thing to say at these times of, of challenge, but it's such a, um, a time that's really pushing innovation and shifts in, in doing our work differently. So just a little bit about myself. My background is in mental health and psychiatry clinically. I've had a huge number of, of leadership roles within Toronto Western Hospital, and I've um, had lots of exposure to not only inpatient services, but community health, outpatient, community-based programming. Um, I've worked um, in leadership roles in the emergency department, our family health team, and general internal medicine. I've recently moved into the director of nursing position, which is a real shift from um, operations into professional practice. And it's really been an opportunity for me to not only uh, lead a large group of nurses, so there's over 900 nurses here at Toronto Western Hospital, but to really demonstrate that nurses, along with other professional groups, of course, can move change across the healthcare system and be leaders in some of the shifts that need to occur, moving some of our, our activity within a hospital outside of the hospital and really engaging with communities and families and patients in a different way. So um, very excited to be here um, to have this conversation. Um, so uh, in terms of... Um, I can definitely comment. I, I'm also a family caregiver, and I, I have to say that what I've learned the most about the system has been more within my, I think, family caregiving experiences than my own professional role. Of course, they inform each other, but um, uh, both my um, my father and father-in-law certainly had numerous chronic uh, medical conditions in and out of hospital. I've certainly had a lot of experience both navigating the system um, and also knowing um, what it's like to be with a family caregiver at times of vulnerability, um, needing support navigating the system, asking questions, being that uh, sort of safety net when... Um, extra information is required to have interpretation. Um, and certainly, most recently, my mother and I entered a downtown hospital just to have an outpatient appointment. And of course, um, none of the information that was supposed to be forwarded was forwarded. And some of the language that was used, my mother didn't quite understand. And we had um, lots of um, time with the physician, fortunately, but that isn't always the case. And I know that we're in a bit of a privileged situation because I'm working from within the system and, and not everyone has that, uh, that opportunity. So um, I completely appreciate um, that the parallels that I experience in both being a healthcare provider and leader as well as uh, a family caregiver. So uh, kudos to everyone out there that's uh, really working with loved ones in a way that wants to improve their quality of life and, and their experiences within healthcare. Thank you for that comment on behalf of the people who are listening. 
Mary Jane, let's switch now. You and your colleagues at Toronto Western and University Health, Health Network are actually doing research into the implications of the trends that point to hospitals discharging patients earlier and what's called a transitioning of care to the community. So please tell us about that research. Thanks, Gordon. There's actually a huge amount of innovation that's occurring in the healthcare sector overall, but particularly in hospitals, because um, as you're aware through your introduction, there's uh, a need for real balance between uh, creating more efficiency and effectiveness um, and still maintaining that, that quality of care. So um, there's been a lot of work happening within hospitals to to do um, initiatives and projects that really look at focusing on early discharge, facilitating a better transfer, reducing reducing length of stay, um, avoiding admission, and we want to do that in a way that is well understood by patients and family members, as well as maintains the, the quality of care. So we've been doing um, some very focused innovation and project work across disciplines, and we can get into some details about some of those projects. But really the focus has been on looking at the aging patient population and trying to support those patients in particular staying at home as long as possible. So recognizing through the research that we've done that transition points create risk for all patients, but particularly older patients, that uh, patients uh, that come into hospital have a greater risk of deconditioning, anxiety, delirium, skin problems, falls, wandering, poor nutrition, and that we've needed to really focus on supporting that patient population in a different way, uh, reducing length of stay, um, but also keeping an eye on some of what we call readmission rates. So how do we not push patients back out into the community faster than they need to be, and then within a month they're actually coming back again? So um, some of our, our research has really been focused on creating and evaluating some of our innovative um, projects that really support a smoother transition out of hospital as well as preventing uh, patients from actually even entering the hospital. So maybe at some point we can get into those details. Sure. Just um, a quick summary, please, Mary Jane, of the implications of these main findings of your research for family caregivers. What, what, what is the is it from the research that you think family caregivers should be chiefly aware of? Well, I mean, I guess I can say this as, as being um, a leader in an acute care hospital, but I would say that the, the biggest message is um, trying to prevent admission into hospital, like really supporting families as well as patients in, in the premise that um, unless you really need to be in hospital, you, you, you shouldn't be here. And not so much about the whole issue about um, overcrowding in the emergency department and lack of beds. 
um, it's really about making sure that the right patient is in the right type of bed, the right type of care environment, being cared for by the the right care provider. And as I mentioned, there's risks coming into hospital, and we haven't even sort of talked about infection rates and, and all of those pieces. But um, so I'd say the first message is is the belief that the best place for um, for for people is to be in their in their own homes and and having care in their own homes with the right resources, of course, and of course maintaining client and, and patient safety. Um, I guess the other big message is when patients do need to come into hospital that we we really see family members, significant others, as members of the healthcare team. And uh, we've actually done a lot of work uh, around not only uh, a patient-centered approach to care, but we're moving to patients and families as partners in care. And so we've gotten rid of visiting hours, so family members can visit at any time, engage with care in a different way. Um, we talk about discharge, like on day one, so that people are feeling prepared as patients leave. Right. Um, Mary Jane, I'm just going to stop you there because we yeah. have a tyranny of time, you know, okay. in broadcasting, and we're going to come back to these things you're talking about. But it seems to me that the implications of your research have very powerful and important messages for family caregiving, and we're going to go into those in the um, in in what follows in the next segment. Great. So let's. This is where we pay the rent. So let's take us. Take the short break. This is Dr. Gordon Ashley. My guest is Mary Jane McNally. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Please stay with us. We're coming back. Looking for exciting video content live and on demand? Visit www.voiceamerica.tv for exclusive content you just can't find anywhere else. That's voiceamerica.tv. Tune in now. So are you connected to the meaning of your life? Are your relationships and career satisfying and fulfilling? How about your parenting? Are you feeling some challenges there? Listen for He Said, She Said every week with husband and wife, Jonathan Nadelman and Carrie Dino. In addition to being married and the parents of a spirited daughter, Carrie and Jonathan share over 40 years of clinical experience as psychotherapists and want to hear all about the challenges you're facing. He Said, She Said airs live Fridays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Variety. Are you an entrepreneur that wants to achieve more? Not just in it for profit, but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways? Listen for Be More, Achieve More, inspiration for the entrepreneurial mind. With host Chris Cooper, you'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with the passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance. These people are making a difference and will help give you the motivation and insight to achieve more. Be More, Achieve More can be heard live Fridays at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com you know I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg 
at MyMonaMe.com. That's Doc, letter G, at M-Y-M-O-N-A-M-I.com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Mary Jane McNally. Our topic is hospitals communicating with family caregivers. So now let's talk about communications with family caregivers whose family members are patients of a hospital and what role the family caregiver has as advocate for the family member. So Mary Jane, the first question is, how do you see hospital communications evolving with family caregivers whose family members are outpatients? really, really moving forward within uh, the healthcare system, hospitals at large, uh, there is a whole different level of engagement with patients as well as families. Um, and we really recognize that the needs of families are, are quite um, in-depth. So patients and families are consumers of health care. So we've done a lot around patient education. We have, um, for example, a patient and family library on site that's expanded enormously through donor support, books, online material, access to the hospital internet, and other online materials. We actually do a lot of work around plain language editing, um, we have, as, as people might know, we have a very multicultural uh, patient population in Toronto, so we have everything in multiple languages. We do a public monthly talk. We use a very innovative um, piece of machinery to actually provide in-the-moment uh, interpretation. So it's like a mobile phone that when we don't have a medical interpreter, we use the phone to really enhance communication. We've done a lot of work around signage and uh, wayfinding. So we've actually done a, a lot of investment engaging in our, um, our, our different populations. For quite a while, we use multimedia in terms of um, DVDs and CDs when we actually engage with, with patients and families, um, not just a written brochure, not just a verbal sit-down conversation. So um, we've, and we've also, as I mentioned, um, engaged with families in a different way around um, their role within, within the care team. I'm going to ask you the same question, Mary Jane, um, but this time it's a question of communications evol evolving and how you see them evolving with family caregivers whose family members are inpatients. Now, I, I don't doubt that many of the things you've just been describing are also what happens or what, or what are presented mm -hmm. um, in the inpatient situation, but what are the particular things that uh, you're looking at evolving for what I'm going to call the inpatient? So what we've noticed, and I'm sure uh, members of your audience can totally relate to this, is that when uh, a loved one, a patient, is preparing for discharge, that all of a sudden it happens quickly. Um, and so we're trying to actually be preemptive and, and give families notice. Um, and what we're also noticing is that even if there is a, um, a thoughtful discharge, that um, it's a time of great vulnerability and anxiety. Are you really absorbing information at that time? Um, even if you walk away with a piece of paper, do you know um, what to do as your next step? Do 
you know what to do if there's a complication or a side effect or something that happens that you don't expect. When we did our, our most recent inpatient satisfaction survey, that was the biggest feedback, was when we leave hospital, we're not sure of our next step. So we've taken that to heart, and we actually have a uh, process where we're, we're talking about um, um, when we do discharge planning with patients, that you say back to us what you've heard in terms of the discharge plan. So it's sort of a, a teach-back process. And we also have this amazing innovative program where we have discharge navigators that connect with the patient and their family when they're back at home. How are things going? What have you noticed? And within that two years that we've been doing the pilot, um, We've noticed lots of questions around pain, um, wound care, management of medications, and follow-up appointments. And we've actually been able to uh, avert or, or um, support patients in a different way. 56% of the times, this prevented them from having to come back into the emergency department. So we feel that that's been really successful. Now, I'm going to ask you, and it's still the same question, you know, the evolution of hospital communications. But this time, with family caregivers whose patients, family members, are patients who've been discharged home and perhaps have been at home for some little time, you know, matter of days, matter of weeks, maybe. How, how are hospital communications evolving for that kind of situation? In, in Ontario, we have um, a significant amount of access to community resources, um, and I would say probably not enough, um, and I'm sure everyone has both positive and uh, <laughs> negative stories, but we have a community care access center, and we, so we, the hospital engages with these coordinators. We have um, some really exciting work that's happening in our emergency department, as well as connected to inpatients, where we have acute care nurse and a community care access center coordinator that really works with our primary care providers in the community and identifies our sort of top thousand patients that are really high risk for needing to come back into hospital. And we've got a very focused team that actually keeps an eye on them in, in a different way. Um, we're also doing some very innovative work where nurses are going and providing outreach into long-term care homes. So if a patient is discharged into a nursing home instead of their own home, then we have acute care nurses that are supporting the nurses and the team differently in the long-term care homes to actually support the client, the resident within that home environment. So again, they don't have to be bouncing back into the hospital unnecessarily. And we've done a lot of work with family members so that they understand the scope and the depth of that role. Um, so, And they can appreciate that um, they're not anxious that their loved one won't get to hospital if they need to. Of course, that will happen. But we're actually building capacity in the nursing home, again, so we don't want people to actually unnecessarily come into hospital. Uh, and that's also been hugely successful. And that program has now gone throughout the entire province of Ontario um, and with, with great success. Now, I'm still pressing on the point about family caregivers in, in this kind of way, Mary Jane. Yep. 
Um, how much of the hospital communications are directly to uh, family caregivers and how much of the communications, so to speak, flow through the community-based services that you've been talking about? Mm -hmm. So we actually um, have a, a program which is, I, I'll have to say, led by our patient relations department and what what's so exciting about that is it's it's essentially a virtual um, patient family focus group. So we thought that it was a good idea to get feedback from family members and particularly patients also around some of the processes within the hospital. So if I have a question to ask, for for example, I've been doing some work around advanced care planning. And I want to um, pose some questions to patients and families to give feedback about some of our ideas. I, I post some questions to patient relations. They send out an online um, focus group um, procedure and gets all kinds of comments back from sometimes over hundreds and then feeds that back to me in terms of feedback around my ideas. So, for example, around advanced care planning, advice about process, how the question should be asked, who should be asking the question, what would make it an easier question to be asking, what should and how should we be handling the information. So we're trying to engage with, with families differently, and uh, I mentioned our sort of patients, partners, and care. That actually is um, another project so that the voice of the patient and the family is part of our planning around that um, foundational work, as well as we've got families involved in our quality committees, so looking at um, the quality of our work and some of our initiatives, hand hygiene, for example, and we've got a very um, robust uh, community advisory committee, which also involves um, family members directly from from our community, as well as um, some of the community agencies that I've I've mentioned. Um, but I would say the real engagement with families happens um, within the outpatient setting and the inpatient setting, and involves the partnership that's required within the healthcare team. We're going to be talking in the next segment also about um, communications with family caregivers as a community. But just let's stay with uh, what you've been talking about uh, just now. And that is, what's clear to me, and tell me if I'm not right about this, is that you're actually involved in two-way communications. You are, as a hospital, as a team, uh, talking to families, family caregivers, but you're also listening to what they have to say, and in fact asking them what they think and to share their experiences with you. Is that right? Absolutely. And uh, we, we do have, um, I will say there are moments, of course, where <laughs> we receive um, verbal communication on an ongoing basis. Sometimes we receive written communication, and, and those are both times of great compliment and, and excellence in terms of, you know what, our loved one, our family member had an amazing care experience. This is what we've noticed. We really want to share that. There are other times when we get communication where, you know what, this and this and this happened. We felt you needed to know. I'm sharing this with you because we want to be part of improving others' care experience, or there's times when, when family members directly want some feedback about you know, what actually happened. 
Sometimes we respond in a written form. Lots of times we get together over the phone or in person. We really are interested in that dialogue between family member and ourselves. And I, I have to say that in my seven years within this role, there has been very heartfelt and incredible learning moments for me as a, le- a leader, as well as the teams that I've been leading in terms of the feedback we've received from families. That's Incredibly stre- important. Yes, that's the strength of communications, isn't it? I mean, totally. What, yeah, what you've just described uh, is the real communication where people are telling you what they want you to hear and know and you're responding back to them. I think it's just wonderful. Now, talking of communications, we have to stop for a moment because it it is time for the break. So this is Dr. Gordon Natalie and my guest is Mary Jane McNally. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stay tuned. We're definitely coming back. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. How has your belief system been formed? Has it been based on others telling you what to believe? Do you desire to make changes in your life that you know will bring you deeper fulfillment? Tune in to The Ripple Effect with Katherine Cloward for your weekly dose of inspiration and encouragement. Whether it be in your business, personal relationships, or family life, this show will help you recognize and trust your intuitive knowing. Catherine and her guests will help inspire you to make fulfilling choices for your life. The Ripple Effect is heard live every Thursday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Variety. If you're looking for answers and solutions, you don't have to look to expensive treatments, consultations, and methods. All you have to do is listen to your connections. Every week, the Dr. Melanie Show will teach you how to do just that. Dr. Melanie Barton will share her gifts and talents and teach you to do the same. And in doing so, find the solutions to the issues in your life that you truly need. You'll learn about holistic and practical health in six key areas. Discover the Dr. Melanie Show, Thursdays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You know, I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at M Y. M-O-N-A-M-I dot com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Mary Jane McNally. Our topic is hospitals communicating with family caregivers. So let's talk about communications with family caregivers as a community engaged with hospitals. Now, you have, in the previous segment, Mary Jane, made a few 
certain comments about this and how well it's working, but I'd like to know more. So let's start with a little bit of history, first of all. How in the past have hospitals engaged with family caregivers as a community, and are there any lessons to be learned from that history? Mm. Um, that's a great question. We've, we've had great experience through um, the community advisory committee that I mentioned and having family members on some of our program advisory committees as well as um, some of our, our quality committees. And uh, that's been really successful in terms of, of keeping us grounded and keeping us really um, focused in, in the right direction. We've, we've actually moved in a few... Uh, different um, directions where uh, I've been involved in um, some research even that we've brought patients and families to be part of our our research group. So there, it's participatory research where we're actually looking at different cultural groups and their 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 own um, experiences of an inpatient admission. So is um, a patient from uh, a Portuguese community is experienced different than um, from a Cantonese or Mandarin-speaking community. And so we've actually purposefully brought in family and patients to inform the research process in a different way, but also be um, co-researchers with us. So that's actually been been pushing our engagement with patients and families in a, in a much different way. And it's hopefully, I mean, we don't have results yet, it hopefully will um, shift the outcomes of the research in, in a, a much more meaningful um, manner. Uh, and um, so we've been really excited about that piece. Um, Historically, Toronto Western Hospital is is a community hospital right within a a very um, focused residential uh, population. So we've actually enjoyed a, an amazing relationship with the community at large, and individual um, family caregivers have felt quite comfortable walking in through our doors and coming right into the, the management office and, and having a conversation with us about, um, you know, feedback. So we've, we've been really fortunate to have a very um, solid partnership. I'm just going to say to our listeners that, that we're not talking about small hospitals here. We're talking about... Um, a, basically a very large hospital group. So in that sense, this community engagement that um, Mary Jane has just been talking to us about means that the relationships with the communities, and in fact they're communities of communities because yeah. of all the different ethnical group, ethical, ethnic groups and the like, have been working very, very well. So um, in that sense, you've profited from your experience rather than learned from things that may not have gone so well in the past. Now, I want to ask you more about this question of engagement with family caregivers as a community. You obviously are engaged, no question, but how much further do you want to take that? Where are the things that you see in the future that you would like to take the engagement into? How much more do you want to develop it? And where in particular do you want to place the emphasis for the engagement? Hmm. Um, I would say at many levels, um, 
as I mentioned, within our hospital structure, um, patients as partners in care is uh, a, a definite shift for us. Uh, and that has happened at a senior management level and is reflective in um, the metrics that we look at in terms of, uh, you know, the big balance scorecard. So uh, the hospital at large has really dedicated itself to wanting to have the voice of the patient and the family at a, at, at a higher level. So we're talking about creating a patient family council for the hospital at, at a high level across all of UHN, which is, as you mentioned, a large um, organization that actually has seven sites, so that there's, there's an opportunity for the voice of the family member to be engaged at, at even at a policy level, even as we move forward with renovation, construction, um, how can we have the face, the, the voice of the patient and the family as we build new buildings? Um, the, the feedback that we've gotten from patients and families as we redesigned our patient family library has been significant. So um, I would say the response would be to um, elevate the engagement with, with patients and families uh, at a very high level. And then throughout the organization, I would say the next piece is at the point of care, we need to do a, a better job with what you referred to, Gordon, the, the listening part, and really support nurses and those clinicians at the point of care so that they have the processes, the structures, the resources, the models of care in place so they do have the time to engage with families um, in a more meaningful way. And I would say that within what works for particular patient family groups, to um, do more teaching at the bedside with family members, support them. Um, this is how we're going to be walking with this patient. This is how we're going to be um, testing what this patient can actually um, manage in terms of, of pain management. How can we engage with family members in a different way at the bedside so that we're working together to optimize the care experience? And not just because we want them to leave hospital faster. It's more about how to prepare everyone differently for, for discharge if it's an inpatient. If it's an outpatient visit, how does everyone know what the next steps will be so that everyone is comfortable with that? So we're working at a high level as well as at that sort of interface of the patient. So what do you... Just quick question would it be fair to say then all that you've just described really fits with that concept that you spoke of uh, earlier which is bringing the family caregiver in so to speak as a member of the healthcare team is mm -hmm. that right absolutely uh and we're doing a lot of work around what's called um interprofessional collaboration so how a nurse, physiotherapist, occupational therapist, physician learn about and from each other. So we want to include the patient and the family in that interprofessional collaboration. So how do we learn 
um, from the patient, from the family member? How do we learn about the patient and the family member? And how do we teach the patient and the family member? So the one that knows the patient the best is the patient and the family member. We need to recognize that. Yeah. In other words, it's still two-way communications. Now, talking of those, uh, and this is a bit of a loaded question, um, how do you see your use evolving of modern communications methods, such as internet communications of the very type that you and I are using right now? How do you see those playing a, a, a role or a, more of a role than they currently do in the way in which you engage your communities um, in this two-way conversation, this two-way communication? How do you see it? lot in this area. Um, we have, um, I think I mentioned earlier, but if I didn't, we have a, um, a public monthly information sen- uh, session around topics, bone health, um, uh, movement disorders, etc. And we actually use technology so that uh, members of our, our um, ethnic patient population can actually wear special headsets. Um, and actually, even if the presenter is speaking in English, they can actually understand the presentation in in their um, the language they're, they're comfortable with. I've mentioned the internet, so we have huge amounts of patient and family information on the internet. Um, we're actually moving forward with. We're so excited about this. It might seem simple, but. When someone is seen in the emergency department, that there's actually an electronic discharge note that goes back to the primary care provider, so there's better communication back to the primary care provider, which supports the family member and the patient around that continuum of care. Um, What I'm really excited about is we're starting to engage with patient and family education at the bedside using um, iPads. So there's um, (laughs) a lot of interactive, as as those of you who are using iPads know, um, and we're doing this in our neurosciences program, and we're working with patients that have either... um, brain injury or a condition where it's it's very complex information and it's so much easier when you have something visual and something interactive to actually use to really support um, the education at the bedside and um, and and then we're also doing things like we're using Skype in our in our ICU so if there's some patients that are there for a while and they can't connect with family members um, we're setting up um, laptops at the bedside so if someone um, has family members only in the northern part of the province it's their way of connecting so we've um, we've really tried to capitalize on on technology in in a different way brilliant I'm going to stop you there because once again I'm afraid we're um, uh, going to the break which always happens uh, this is dr. Gordon Atherley and my guest is Mary Jane McNally you're listening to family caregivers unite on the voice America variety channel we're coming back Find out which guests are being featured this week. Read our network press releases and read the blog posts from your favorite hosts. Go to iradioblog.com today. Powered by the Voice America Talk Radio Network. 
Have you ever wanted to ask a direct question to a private investigator? If so, you'll want to listen for the Private Eye Nightline with private investigator John Siakio. John and his guest experts will answer your questions about infidelity, drug issues, custody, restraining orders, and more. Sometimes there are sensitive issues involving a family member or other loved one. We're here to help. The Private Eye Nightline is broadcast live every Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. If you're looking for answers and solutions, you don't have to look to expensive treatments, consultations, and methods. All you have to do is listen to your connections. Every week, the Dr. Melanie Show will teach you how to do just that. Dr. Melanie Barton will share her gifts and talents and teach you to do the same. And in doing so, find the solutions to the issues in your life that you truly need. You'll learn about holistic and practical health in six key areas. Discover the Dr. Melanie Show, Thursdays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Help, you know I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at M-Y-M-O-N-A-M-I dot com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Mary Jane McNally. Our topic is hospitals communicating with family caregivers. So let's talk now about messages regarding family caregiving and its community of family caregivers in the changing world of hospital-based health care. So Mary Jane, I'm going to put you on the spot and talk not just about the, the wonderful things that... Um, um, Toronto Western and University Health Network are doing, but just looking at healthcare generally and hospital-based healthcare generally. So, what's your message for community-based professional caregivers and caregiving organisations about family caregiving? Well, I think I think that that's a, a really important question and. Uh, I, I alluded to it a bit earlier, but I, I just want to underscore the the huge shift that certainly happened within our hospital, as well as others. I'm, I'm sure we really wanted to move away from this uh, monolith of a hospital sitting within a community um, with these sort of solid walls and. Uh, we've done some some great work. We still need to do a lot more work, where the walls of the, hor- the, the hospital are porous, so that um, even if we have hospital-based funding, how do we support, let's say, a nurse practitioner from the hospital that goes out into the community, works with the community agency around building capacity, and really supports that continuum of care back and forth. Um, I have found that probably to be some of the most exciting work that I've been involved in, and uh, that actually has really demonstrated the opportunity and the potential for making shifts in the healthcare system so that 
there's um, a, a greater sense of understanding of what happens in a hospital, and there's a greater sense of partnership with either professional agencies or individual caregivers, so that there's a sense of um, I can I can walk into the hospital and I can have. Um, um, information that I need to really enhance either the individual that I'm caring for or the group that I'm caring for. And we need to be open to those conversations. And And I would say my big message to community agencies and caregivers at large is that we want to have those conversations and that it's 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 good to be the driver of that and to be proactive around engaging with hospitals in a different way. Um, got it. Yeah, got it. Now, still on the same thing, your message for family caregivers whose family members are hospital patients receiving care for very serious conditions. What's your message for them regarding communications? Um, I would say that... Um, I would say probably the the family caregivers in your audience um, might know the answer to this question better than than I do. Um, I think that there's a lot around um, being informed, patient advocacy, um, being uh, able to support uh, your loved one, your family member in a way that supports and is respectful to their independence and their choices and knowing um, what the expectations are around your role. There's some specifics that, that I can mention around here in Ontario. We have, um, it's really important to identify your medical uh, POA, power of attorney, so make sure those conversations happen. Um, don't be afraid to have some of those advanced care planning conversations that are required in a, and are part of an accountability that you have as a, as a caregiver. Um, and, and I would say probably um, accessing resources as much as possible and, and the, the final message which I keep reminding myself of is um, it's really about self-care, like look after yourself because one of the, the biggest things that uh, I know is that there's a burden to family caregivers and as a hospital, we don't always do the best job with that. Actually, back to your question about gaps, I think that that's something that we, we could do a little bit better of a job around what are some of the resources that we could offer family members around um, respite and, um, and access to some of those types of resources out in the community. Perfectly fair. Um, powerful. That's people will be very... Mary Jane, people will be very encouraged by that message because the stress and strain of family caregiving uh, is endless. Uh, it undermines the health of family caregivers. And the idea that a hospital like yours recognizes this uh, is a very strong and encouraging message. Now, let's same basic question asking you about your message. For family caregivers whose family members have recently been discharged from hospital where they've been receiving care for serious conditions, but there's the sense that there's no cure and um, 
perhaps going home is going home to die. Mm-hmm. What's your message? What's your message there? Um. So I would say I think some of the similar messages around um, self care, looking after self, accessing resources. Um, here in Ontario, we do have access to hospice, and we have strong um, opportunities around community-based um, end-of-life care. We've done some really amazing work recently where patients that are at end-of-life and are, are choosing to go home um, but really need a lot of support around pain management and symptom management that uh, we engage with the community care outreach care centers in a way that the pump that you use for the medication in hospital is the same pump that you use at home. So I use that as an example of how we need to do a better job as a system to improve some of those transitions so that caregivers are supported in a different way at home. Um, And um, I would say that at large, um, this is still an area where we need to do a better job is really supporting patients and families in their choice to be at home to, to die. And somehow it's still a difficult conversation to have, but we're doing a better job with supporting options and choice. And I would think, and, and again, this is, you know, I guess a bit of a personal commentary, but I, I'll say it. I would say that um, there's a certain degree of um, support and gentleness about a death at home that, um, as a healthcare system, uh, we have to do a better job at supporting. So um, my big message would be to um, fight for that if that's what you want and pull the resources in that you need, both as a family member and as a patient, to create the the death experience that, that is most meaningful to you. Um, just to say thank you for that, too. Because more and more, and you know this very well, um, people are choosing the home to die Mm -hmm. and supporting them in that decision in a way that doesn't leave them suffering or unattended, but at the same time respects their wishes, which is what you've just been saying so well, um, is another message that hospitals are caring, are listening, are working with family caregivers, families. And what I come back to is something, a word I'm going to take away from you, and that is hospitals now have porous walls. That is to say uh, the information flows in and out uh, just as the people move in and out of the hospital. And there's that sense of a community that lives around, is the lives within the range whatever the range can be very large of the hospital and the hospital is very very interested in being communicated with as well as doing the communicating so on that point i want to say first of all thank you to our listeners i want to say thank you to mary jane thank you for sharing with us your experience your insights and your advice and it's all based on i think your own profound belief in this idea of communicating 
with family caregivers and family members out there in the community in such a way that the hospital is, in the way you've used the word, porous, in the very best sense of that. So all I can say to you is thank you. Wish you every success in your work for everybody's sake because what you're doing and what you and your colleagues are doing uh, I think is profoundly important and I think you're, going, you're seeing this already in the responses you're getting and you'll see it more and more. So all I can say to you really is just keep up the good work and if I can ever give you a, an opportunity to have voice again for family caregivers by uh, this this show I'd be honored to do so now thank I'm you going so to much, have Gordon okay uh, thank you now I have to break now by saying that in our next episode we'll talk about starfish the making of a movie about family caregiving and community support so to our listeners please join us same time same spot on the internet talk to you then Thank you again for joining us this week for Family Caregivers Unite with your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And until then, we hope our program will help make the coming week easier and more hopeful. And I do appreciate you being Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 